Gather round. This is the Ticket Water Cooler. Brought to you by Wingstop. This is what the greatest thing about sports is. You play to win the game. Coming at you live in the heart of Lincoln, America. I say, hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. On air and online at theticketfm.com. Here are your hosts, Jake Bakovin and Enrique Alvarez Cleary. Thanks for joining us today. This is the Ticket Water Cooler here on 93.7 The Ticket. We are very close to this Nebraska-Illinois matchup. Of course, uh, the number 17 Fighting Illini coming into Lincoln for a 2.30 kickoff on ABC. Uh, it will be a great one and a big one for Nebraska, as we feel a lot of us feel. If Mickey Joseph can get this win, this will uh, further move him up the board as far as the next coaching spot. Big one for Illinois, too, as they uh, have, uh, have snuck into the rankings. I wouldn't say sneak so much, but if they haven't been in the sneak. rankings for quite some time. And now they have gotten back there in their second year under Brett B. And let's get to know uh, Illinois a little bit better. We've invited Jeremy Warner of IlliniInquire.com, uh, part of Illini on 24-7 Sports, to come on in. Uh, Jeremy, how are you doing this morning? Doing great, guys. Uh, yeah, big lead-up to this game with both teams uh, on an off week. But uh, who knew that this uh, would be for the, the Big Ten West League, given Nebraska's start and given how Illinois football has been for the last decade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a little bit of a surprise, but I'm excited for it. Uh, I can't wait to see this game and kind of how it plays out. I guess uh, from f- sitting from afar, we know Illinois kind of had pro- problems, you know, for the last couple of coaches, you know, uh, through uh, Lovey Smith now uh, into Brett Bielema. What, what has he done differently than those guys? How has he turned this program around? Uh, he's a good coach, and he hired good coaches. Uh, it's been a while since an Illinois coach has done that uh, or been that. Um, you know, Lovey Smith was, was a big-name hire a celebrity hire, uh, and he knows football, obviously. He's an NFL head coach again. Um, but he just didn't hire the right people. Hired a lot of NFL guys who he really didn't want to recruit. Um, hired NFL guys who ran their schemes that worked in the NFL, but maybe not for, for college athletes who aren't good enough athletes to kind of run Lovey Smith's defense. And he just didn't hire good enough people. A lot of the staff members that he had wouldn't have been at any other Big Ten school. Um, a lot of them would have been at lower levels or, again, in the NFL. Tim Beckman obviously was a disaster. Ron Zook was a great recruiter, but really couldn't uh, coach him up all that well outside of one year. And before that, Ron Turner was a pretty dang good coach, but he, he just couldn't recruit. So uh, since John Makovic, no one has been as capable of a, a college CEO. And most of your listeners probably don't even know who John Makovic is because he was the uh, last <laughs> coach of Illinois in 1991, uh, 92. So it's, it's been a long time since I think Illinois has had the right guy, a college football CEO, and Brett Bielma, despite, I guess, what we call failure at Arkansas, I think he learned a lot from that, right? Like, he, he was had a great time at Wisconsin. Everyone thought he was just kind of riding the coattails of Barry Alvarez. But he kept that thing and then really kind of took it to another level with three Big Ten championships. He thought uh, the grass was green in the SEC, could accomplish more there. Obviously, didn't go his way. But he for three years, whether it was with Bill Belichick or with Joe Judge, he was kind of waiting for his opportunity to be a Power 5 head coach and I think he's humbled. Uh, I think he learned a lot about himself, learned a lot about football, learned a lot about running an operation the next time you get it. And I think Illinois is getting the best version of Brett Bielma. And and, and part of that is is hiring really good coaches, changing his schemes, uh, and getting the most out of players. So it all comes back, guys. They just have a really good head coach. And I think uh, a head coach that hired good people around him, including Ryan Walters, the defense coordinator, and Barry Lundy, the offense coordinator. 
You talk about him being a really good coach and making changes and and doing all of that. Uh, Illinois started off the season, you know, their first two games, one and one, with a loss to an Indiana team that maybe isn't as good as people thought they might be coming into the season, um, or or maybe a bounce back season for them. But how much has Brett Bielma changed on this Illini team after that loss? They didn't really change all that much since that Indiana loss because guys, they dominated that game. Um, I know that's a weird loss on this season. But I think they learned a lot from it. They had four turnovers, three in Indiana territory. So basically three inside the red zone. Uh, they just shot themselves in the foot. Uh, Illinois fans know this. There was a touchdown that Illinois had a great catch. wasn't ruled a catch. The replay showed it was a catch, but it wasn't ruled that way. Um, but just a lot of things Illinois could have corrected. Penalties. They had a, a turnover on down to the one-yard line. Got stuffed at the goal line. Stuff that, you know, they really have cleaned up in, in recent weeks. And, you know, their defense has been dominant for most of the season. But that Indiana game, they gave up one final drive with two minutes left. They weren't able to get stops. So, I don't know if they, they haven't really changed all that much, guys. Most of the changes they made were last year, midseason, they made a big change to their defensive scheme under Ryan Walters. And they were a dominant defense after that. And that just kind of continued and got better into this year. Uh, and then offensively, they made the big change in the offseason – uh, where they fired first-year offense coordinator Tony Peterson, kind of ran this this old-school pro-style scheme, and they brought in Barry Lonnie Jr. from from UTSA, who coached under uh, Bielma at Arkansas, runs some pro-style things, but does it in kind of a spread up-tempo package. So that was Bielma's big change in the off-season. I just think they had to work out, you know, some of the kinks. Uh, Barry Lonnie had to learn maybe more about what he does, uh, what he can do with these his personnel. Uh, and then defensively, they just kept getting better and better and better. As their their talent, it, guys on defense, is is really legit. So um, I I don't know if they've changed much since from that Indiana game. They've just gotten better. They they cleaned up some of their mistakes from that game. Jeremy Warner from IlliniInquirer.com uh, joining us right now to preview the Illinois side of the Nebraska-Illinois matchup here. Um, one thing that kind of stood out to me last year is I remember there was uh, Brett Bielema was not so complimentary of his offensive line. What has gone from – how did it get from that in year one to the nation's leading rusher in year two? Yeah, that clip went viral, and it didn't go with a lot of context. Um, mm. You know, Brett Bielema was talking about his 2D. It, it wasn't talented enough. It wasn't good enough because uh, Lovey Smith, his last two or three recruiting classes, didn't recruit the offensive line well. Uh, so what he was talking about was not that his offensive linemen that were starting were not good. It's that he had a huge gap that he had to fill, and he went and addressed that. They lost Doug Kramer and Vidarian Lowe uh, to, the, to the NFL draft. Both those guys got picked in the sixth round. Both of them got better under Brett Bielma. Uh, and then this year they had to go get some JUCO guys. So they went and got two JUCO guys, Isaiah Adams and Zy Chrysler, who really filled the holes about what Brett Bielmo was actually getting at, was that he didn't really have a two-deep, of, of a Big Ten two-deep last year on the offensive line. So they had to address that through the uh, JUCO market. And Isaiah Adams is playing like an all-Big Ten player. So you put that with Alex Palczewski coming back for a sixth-year. Palczewski is about to set uh, the NCAA record in starts. Uh, he's on pace to do that this year with like 60-something guys. Uh, but he got a 60-year waiver to come back after an injury during the COVID season. Um, and then you've had Alex Pilstrom, a former walk-on tight end, who's really stepped up at center here in recent weeks. And then Julian Pearl is a guy that's getting uh, some NFL looks. So, you know, losing Venerian Lowe and Doug Kramer, we had questions about whether they could get better. But Isaiah Adams is a guy who could be a one-and-done. 
Uh, he could be a guy who goes Juco, one year of Illinois, and then get drafted. Alex Falczewski's got a chance to get drafted. Julian Pearl has a chance to get drafted. But they got much bigger. Uh, and I think they might actually be better than they were last year because they were small on the interior. Even though they had Kramer, even though they had Vidarian um, Lowe and Alex Falczewski, they're much bigger, more physical offensive front than they were last year. And it's certainly paying off. You're seeing Chase Brown obviously have a great year. He had a great year last year, but I think his offensive line is – is doing even better. I mean, against three of the best Big Ten West defenses, um, you know, with Wisconsin, Iowa, and uh, Minnesota, Browns run for 566 yards, and Illinois has only given up two sacks in those three games. So the offensive line is getting better and better each week, uh, and, and I think it's really starting to gel because there's a very new-look offensive line with all those newcomers, but uh, the, the ceiling's probably even higher than it was last year. You talk about the improvements on the offensive line. You talk about the the – the new offensive coordinator after firing first-year offensive coordinator from last year. Uh, how big is Tommy DeVito, Tommy DeVito transferring in from Syracuse for this Illinois offense? Yeah, it gives him a legit Big Ten starting quarterback. They haven't had that in a while, at least an effective one. Uh, he's a top-half Big Ten quarterback. Uh, he's not lighting the world on fire with stats, but I think anybody who's watched Illinois football just just sees how quickly he gets rid of the ball, how well he makes decisions. He's got one of the fastest releases uh, in the Big Ten, he's very accurate in kind of the short game. Uh, and I, I think we have to kind of look at this as a marriage. It was kind of an arranged marriage because DeVito committed to Illinois before Barry Lonnie, uh was even hired, before you know, t- Tony Peterson was even fired. Um, so, it was, you know, Lonnie called it an arranged marriage, but it's worked out incredibly well because Brett Bielma said, he told me this week, he kind of had an idea of where he wanted to go and thought Tommy DeVito fit that really well. And I, they, they've been really good together because Barry wants to get the ball out quickly, you know, quick strikes, some RPO, some screens, some shovel passes. Uh, and then Tommy DeVito can, can really, um, you know, make plays with his feet when he's needed to. I mean, he's not running a 4-5, but uh, he, he can certainly make plays with his feet and prolong plays. But he's basically giving Illinois five to six to seven extra first downs a game. And, you know, Illinois had a good enough defense last year to win uh, and win, you know, maybe compete for a Big Ten West. Uh, but they just didn't have the offense. The passing attack was was just atrocious. So the fact that he's given that offense some balance that if teams are going to stack the box against Chase Brown, Tommy DeVito can make them pay, especially with the emergence of a guy like Pat Bryant, 6'3", really athletic downfield target. Bryant Hightower is a big 6'3", physical guy who can move the chains. And, and then Isaiah Williams is a slot receiver who can uh, – you know, make plays in, in, in space and make people miss. So it's just a, it's a much more balanced offense with a, with a 24-year-old quarterback who just makes really good decisions and is really accurate with the ball. Well, we may have buried the lead a little bit uh, talking about this Illinois <laughs> offense because we haven't asked too much about Chase Brown. What makes him effective? And I guess another question to kind of throw in there is, um, is, is, he, is he playing at a pace that they, they, you can make him last all season? That 41 carries, sir, uh, caught my eye looking at that last game. Yeah, they don't want to do that, but hey, if it keeps working, uh, they'll do it. But uh, Chase Brown is just one of the—he's got one of the best accelerations in the Big Ten. Uh, he, he can just—he can just go, man. Like he can make him miss, and then he can, you know, finish in the end zone. Uh, the, Illinois has had a lot of that at running back here in recent years. Uh, he's one of the fastest guys. He's not the biggest guy. He's 205 pounds. He's certainly cut. Um, he certainly looks good like on a men's health magazine or something like that, but um, he's not the biggest guy, but in space, he's hard to wrap up. He's physical. 
in one-on-one situations, so he's hard to bring down. He leads the country in yards after contact. Now, he's not great at the goal line. Uh, I don't think he's great like moving a pile, but they do get Josh McCray back. And Josh McCray had a couple hundred-yard games last year, 6'1", 240 pounds. They've missed him, not only to be kind of a short yardage back, goal line back, but to kind of spell Chase Brown, give him 10 carries off the game, 10 touches. Uh, Josh McCray is uh, pretty good in the passing game as well. So it's going to be interesting to see how many carries he gets. He missed all but one game, the first game of the season so far. Uh, but he seems like he's fully healthy. Uh, I'm interested to see how they use him. But, but Chase Brown, just he's gotten a lot more patient as a runner. So in the zone scheme, he's doing a lot better job of watching his blocks develop, finding the hole, and then using that acceleration to just uh, get chunk plays. He's just very consistent. Uh, of 100-yard games, guys, he's had eight straight 100-yard mm-hmm. games. So he's certainly one of the best running backs in the Big Ten and one of the best in the country. Once again, Jeremy Warner of Illini Inquirer joining us here. Uh, now we got to get to the defensive side because we all like the flash, and certainly you love uh, the nation's leading rusher uh, if you're a Illini fan. But this defense is really uh, stonewalling people. What is making them so effective, and what are some of the, the players that n- maybe Nebraska fans uh, might notice pop out on the screen? Yeah, I find the, the matchup of this passing offense of Nebraska, which is obviously very good, uh, against this passing defense of Illinois, which is number one in the country, now Illinois hasn't played a passing offense in the Big Ten quite like Nebraska, uh, but they have against Virginia. Virginia came into the Illinois game. Uh, last year they put up 42 points, passed for 400 yards, brought everybody back from that passing offense, including Brennan Armstrong, a very good quarterback, uh, a couple wide receivers that have NFL uh, possibilities like a Trey Palmer, but they lost everybody on their offensive line. And it all starts up front for Illinois. Their defensive line and defensive front have been absolutely dominant, guys. They have several guys up front uh, who will play in the NFL, and I think they've shown that the last couple weeks against teams that traditionally have really good offensive lines, Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota. Now, I don't think Wisconsin and Iowa are quite up to par offensive line-wise as they historically are, but they're still, I think, better than Nebraska. Um, So Johnny Newton uh, at 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 the three-technique, uh, is one of the most explosive pass rushers on the interior. He leads the country among defensive linemen with 35 pressure. He leads Illinois with four sacks. Keith Randolph, who kind of plays the four-eye, five technique, uh, he's got four sacks. He's one of the top 20 guys in the country in pressures in the defensive line. Uh, Calvin Avery, a former four-star prospect and nose guard, has been very physical, kind of had finally had his breakout year. And then they got two of the best outside linebacker edge rushers, uh, in the Big Ten, and with all the attention that Keith Randolph and Johnny Newton get, um, Gabe Ackes, who's a freshman with four sacks, uh, but he doesn't look like a freshman at 6'3", 265. And then Seth Coleman, who's one of the top edge rushers in the Big Ten, according to pressures, he's got three and a half sacks. Um, he's six foot five, 240 pounds, potential NFL athlete. Uh, I know Illinois is not known for having great talent up front, but you got to give credit to Levy Smith. He did get, in his last couple of recruiting classes, some really good uh, players up front. Uh, that allows those guys to get one-on-one battles. But then Ryan Walters is just a very aggressive defensive play caller. He's going to call a lot of blitzes and then put his guys in the secondary and man-to-man because his guys in the secondary are very good. They're experienced. Devin Witherspoon is one of the top corners in the country. Quan Martin has midseason All-America honors from some people. Uh, I find the fact I, I, I can't wait for the matchup with Trey Palmer against Quan Martin if he lines up in the slot or if you lines up to the outside with Devin Witherspoon, 
and that Sidney Brown is one of the most physical, strong safeties in the Big Ten. And then Kendall Smith, who's a six-year guy, kind of been a bench warmer, uh, suddenly leads the Big Ten in interceptions of four uh, based on the scheme because he's kind of a single high safety over the man-to-man coverage. So uh, the biggest key for Nebraska is, is I think Trey Palmer can get his uh, if if um, you know the offensive line can protect. But as you guys know, like the Nebraska offensive line hmm. has certainly been an issue. So uh, Illinois man-to-man coverage against Trey Palmer going to be fascinating to watch. But uh, Illinois defensive line and defensive front. I think is legitimately, guys, one of the top four in the Big Ten. That's that's going to be exciting to watch. I think a lot of Nebraska fans uh, would agree with you. A lot, a lot rides on if Trey Palmer can get a lot of work done against this Illinois defense. Uh, now we got to go kind of from this weekend to more of the macro level. What is uh, you know obviously with Brett Bielema's success there, what is the confidence on, on, among the Illinois fan base that they're able to keep him? Obviously, maybe there's some Kirk Ferentz rumors, his alumni over there at Iowa. There's even uh, you know some folks, maybe even myself, that wouldn't mind seeing him on the Nebraska sideline eventually. What is the confidence? in the Illinois fan base that, that, you know, decide this up, this upstart that he's done, this wonderful job he's done at Illinois, that they're able to keep him long-term. Yeah, I, I get the question, especially from the outside, uh, because Illinois hasn't been a good job, right? I think people put it up there with the, the Indiana job, right? Like if somebody does well at Indiana, they're probably going to move on. Uh, the difference is the Illinois athletic director. Josh Whitman's a former Illinois football player, and he has invested ridiculous amounts of resources into Illinois football. They have an $80 million practice facility that is three years old uh he wants to renovate memorial stadium eventually but he has put big money into brett bielma's coaching staff like ryan walters the first six-figure uh coordinator in illinois history i think he's going to do whatever it takes financially to keep brett bielma and i think another thing people have to realize is brett bielma did the thing where you you go to greener pastures you go to the bigger job i think illinois for brett bielma if he does well at Illinois, if he, if he leads Illinois to, to eight-win seasons year after year, just getting to bowls year after year, and every once in a while you know, competing near the top of the Big Ten, he's going to be known as the Hayden Fry. He's going to be known as the Kirk Ferentz here. They're going to name streets after Brett Bielma if he has a 15-, 20-year stretch that is really good football, competent Big Ten football. I think that matters to Brett Bielma because I think he's known as the guy who kind of rode the coattails of Barry Alvarez, fair or not. Uh, and then the guy who went to Arkansas and couldn't succeed. I think at Illinois, he can be the guy of modern football, of Illinois football. And honestly, I think that matters. And I think if uh, his athletic director pays him, which I have confidence his athletic director will pay him and will pay his staff, which was an issue for him at Wisconsin, I think Brett Bielema is set up for success here um, if he wants. I don't think he has to go somewhere else to have success because Illinois is so, so long – has been called the sleeping giant. Yeah. Well, maybe Brett Bielma is the guy who can, who can awaken it. Well, I, I'd love to see it. I'd, I love uh, Bert, as they call him, <laughs> his, uh, his his type of football. One more question for you, just because we like to, you know, we're all so focused in on the Nebraska job. We like to get an outsider's look at it. Uh, what do you think the kind of cachet Nebraska's job still has? And and I don't know how much you've been able to kind of look into Mickey Joseph, but what do you think the interim uh, head coach's opportunities are here at Nebraska? I think Mickey Joseph would be a heck of a first hire for the next Nebraska head coach. I just I I can't see. I know Trev Alberts is is close with him. I know Mickey is you know giving some life to a program that just feels like it's been on a death march for the last year. So I understand that, but this is Nebraska football. Um, I still think the ceiling is incredibly high at Nebraska, and that's what makes the job so enticing. But the hard part is 
uh, the job the last 10 years is showing warts, right? Um, so in the Big Ten, Nebraska has not been what we thought it would be. So I think, I, but I think the job is a lot like Penn State and that you live in a fishbowl in Nebraska. You got to get a high coach who can handle that and embrace that. Uh, but you also have ridiculous support because of that. If you win, or even if you don't win, I mean, the people in Nebraska, like that, they care about that. That's the number one thing in that state. So I find that job fascinating. I think they should be able to get a great candidate. I think they need to hire someone outside. I don't think Trev Alberts does all this. Uh, this is just my opinion without, you know, going big here. Uh, but I don't think they need to, to overthink this. I think there's a guy doing really good work in Kansas. Mm. Lance Leipold, I think, is exactly what Nebraska needs, which is a no-nonsense, no-frills, good football coach who wins in the trenches, has a modern offense, but has always played good defense, has a really good staff with him. I just think he makes so much sense. He's got ties there. I think Wisconsin, uh, they'll probably hire Jim Leonard, but I think they should look into Lance Leipold. I thought Illinois at the time should have hired Lance Leipold. Obviously, um, it's working out for them with Brett Bielma, but – I know it's not the sexy name, but it works. It works everywhere he's been, and I think it works in this conference as well. So I would go with Lance Leipold. You know, Bill O'Brien, I know, is a name that, that gets thrown around there. Do you shoot your shot for Matt Campbell? Absolutely. Dave Aranda, guys like that? Sure. I think Nebraska can get in that conversation for guys like that. But I think the simple hire and, and the right hire is, is the guy that's doing things really well in Lawrence, which is an even tougher job than here at Illinois. Absolutely. There you go. There you have it. Jeremy Warner, uh, always insightful and entertaining. Thank you for your time today, Jeremy. Thanks, guys. All right. There he goes. Jeremy Warner of Illinois. Or, it's hard to say. IlliniInquire.com. When I start <laughs> they to did read that it, on purpose. I want to go to Illinois. Yeah. So it's uh, there's a lot of eyes in there, but uh, I figured it out. Uh, he's always uh, very great. Great stuff. And, uh, man, I, it's, it's crazy how many... How many guys are shining on that Illini defense? Because as, as he runs through it, you kind of forget that the, the pass rush, yeah. the pass defense. The fact that the leading tacklers are both defensive linemen still just baffles me. <laughs> like that should not that should not be happening. Your, your leading tackler not should not be your defensive lineman. But the 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 way that they're able to shed blocks and get into the backfield, tackle for a loss, get a bunch of sacks, just everything that that Illini defense is for real. I don't care what you say. Yeah, it's it's quite a test for Nebraska, and that's why. Some people might goff at the idea of maybe uh, really supporting Mickey after after a victory here because it is Illinois. But then you know others realize, man, that team they put together. Look, if you give me one on one coverage with with Trey Palmer, though, I'm taking that every time. I don't care who you yeah. are. I'm taking that every time. They've got some good cornerbacks there. We'll see how that turns out. That'll be an exciting matchup. Uh, we'll come back here, wrap up the ticket water cooler, make way for the happy hour coming up next. <laughs> 